talked to Jeff Fu. His his assertion is, look, this is the system that we're built on, and people are rewarded within this system, and they're going to act the way they're rewarded. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's so that alone is just the driving force. It's not the people. It's not the Republicans. It's not the Democrats. It's not. Correct. It's the people Profit. are rewarded for for the way they're acting. And Bitcoin does not reward you for acting like that. There's just no system within it to gain. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Arcos Global Advisors or its advisors. The mention of different asset types or securities do not constitute a recommendation for our clients. If you have any questions about the content of this podcast, please contact your advisor. In this episode of Navigating Bitcoin's Noise, I'm joined by James Lavish, a reformed hedge fund manager turned Bitcoin educator through the Looking Glass Education. In our discussion, we talk about big institutions and their appetite for Bitcoin, why and how hedge funds are using Bitcoin to hedge high beta stocks, and the unfortunate downside of the existing system incentivizing profit over people. James also shares his knowledge of repo markets, bond yields, and what they really tell you, along with his views on the possibilities of a recession. Additionally, we cover why Bitcoin offers citizens and small countries an opportunity to opt out of historically bad financial situations. If you're looking to better understand Bitcoin's past and its future potential as an economic network, then join us and listen in. So watching euro dollar futures can be helpful because, you know, that that is actually a, um, it, it's a it's a way to see where people think the rates are going to go, the euro dollar futures. And that's something that's something you can keep an eye on. It's not something that, that your everyday investor will watch. Uh, and they'll they'll get a pretty good inkling if they're if they're on our Twitter feeds of what's going on anyways. Uh, but um, but that is a way that is a way you can see if you're if you're watching the the 2023-2024 euro dollar futures, you can see those contracts month to month and see where those interest rates are and where people think they're going to be. You know, mm-hmm. and and you can just you can just compare those to today's curve. And see mm-hmm. where people are thinking they're going to be. So that's just a, that's another that is another tool for sure. And you just have a basic. I know all investors kind of have some basic tool. When the markets get hairy, we all get lost at some point. Is there a simple set of things that you come back to, or kind of like a daily checks that you look at? Yeah, just to, it's no uh, different than you. You know, I yeah. mean, I'm looking at the I'm watching the S and P and then and the Nasdaq to see what the the risk on. Uh, asset mm-hmm. movement is what the temperature is there. Watching the bond markets, watching the, the yield curves, watching the yield curve, the yield spreads. So you're watching the CDS spreads um, on, on, particularly in high yield, is a pretty good leading risk in, indicator, and you can see just how how uh, quickly things are are getting tight in the market. And and that's really important though. That one to me is very important in a in a downturn because you start seeing, and I talked about this in one of my uh, newsletters. And I, I don't know if you know this. I read a newsletter that that takes one complicated concept, financial concept, and simplifies it every week. And and so for everyday people. And but this was one that I just wrote, and I wrote it because you hear a lot of equity investors who who. Who are confused and they get frustrated, right? Where they say, "Well, 
how come equity goes to zero and the bonds are still worth something? And so the point is about the, the capital structure ladder. And so watching the high yields, you can get an, you can get an, a kind of a peek into where the market is on those companies that may be struggling to, to pay the coupon on their debt. And then you know well that that equity is soon to be worthless. Yep. If they're really struggling and if that trips, if they trip into distress where they just stop paying their notes, that's a problem. So if they stop paying the, 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 the coupons on their bonds, then you know that equity is pretty much worthless. Unless it's an asset heavy company, which is not likely because it would be easy for them to renegotiate a, a, a term or something. But so that's important. And we're starting to see those spreads really move out. And today, it's kind of, it was kind of crazy. I don't, I haven't seen where the high yield spreads are today. But it, going back to what you were saying, looking at the yield curve today, you could see that yields came down today after yep. a, a huge move yesterday. They came back. And that's, that's kind of telling you that the market thinks that the Fed is, has, has lost the narrative here and that mm-hmm. they think that the rates are not going to go quite as high as the, as, as the Fed says they're going to or intends to because they're looking at, investors are looking at economic data that's telling us that we're entering a recession. Yep. And even if the Fed doesn't pivot and turn around and start doing QE again, they may have to back off the rate raises and the and the just the velocity of rate raises and then they may have to back off just at the with the the amount of of quantitative tightening selling the assets off their balance sheets that they do and it, it just it, we make it's giving you the bond market's giving you the insight to that's what i the the bond traders are thinking like it's just not going to go quite as fast and furious as they think it will and that's kind of what I look at as just yield. I just look at the 10. It's like, cause you can go into the curve and look across the, it, but it's like, that's where's a great, the middle? That's the one. Because, yeah. well, that's if, the one that everybody looks at across the world. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Everybody looks at it, but it's, if it's roughly in the middle of the curve and, you know, the Fed told us in 2020, New York Fed released a paper that said, here's how we did your curve control to manage throughout the 40s, which I'd kind of read into before, but I was like, okay, well, you just so happened to release it the first part of February, 2020, you kind of knew this, you didn't know what COVID was going to do, but you knew there were issues in the market based on what was happening in repo six months before. So yeah. you're going to do it again. And that's sort of what they did. And so why worry about the entire curve? Just worry about the middle and figure yeah. out where that, which side the narrative is on and where it needs to swing to. Yeah. And, then, and you're seeing, you can see like the, when you see a three year, at a yield that's above the 10 year, yep. then you know that people are saying, hey, look, th- th- there's just no way that we're going to be we're going to be able to sustain high rates. They're going to have to come down because we're going to enter into a recession. That's what yeah. that's telling you. So yeah. and so that's what I just like to, you know, what are the simple things? And and everybody doesn't need to look at that stuff, but and you'll get emails or questions like, oh my God, are we going to see eight percent inflation or um, or, you know, I'm like, well, you can look at your grocery receipt and they'll tell you before the fed will, uh, That's right. but That's right. you know, they'll get worried about, they won't tell you anyway. Yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. what does a recession mean? You know, because everybody thinks mass firings and some of that stuff does happen. But if you look at the data tells you before, and by the time the fed and the news is telling you, 
you're, you're well into it or probably on the way out of it in a lot of cases. Now yeah. it can still go on, but, um, well, the so, Fed said he, you heard, you heard Powell say it yesterday. He said, look, we're reactionary. Yeah. We look at data and we react. We don't, we're, 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 we're looking at forecasts, but we're reacting to the data that we get. That is hard mm-hmm. data that we've gotten from hard data that mm-hmm. we've gotten from their sources, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that they've collected. And so there, by definition, they're going to be behind the curve, but yeah. it's just what it is. So you know, one of the things I like to look at is the purchasing managers index PMI. So that's telling you uh, where the, the, the manufacturers are that where they're buying, how much they're buying, where their pulse is. Mm-hmm. And that gives you an idea. So the last number that came out was pretty optimistic. And I was like, this didn't like, it's not adding up. And they were optimistic about inventories, meaning they bought more inventories than last round. And I was last month, it comes out every single month. I was like, this doesn't add up. And then I, and then, you know, thinking about it and hearing things that Target and Walmart are saying, yeah. they front loaded their inventory for this yep. third and fourth quarter, worrying because they said, we bought more inventory and we're worried about supply chains. So right. the inventory number was up saying, well, they expect, if you look at just the number, you think, well, they, 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 they brought in more inventory because they expect to be but demand destruction demand had already started. Yeah. Yeah. It already started. Yeah. It already started. And they're actually worried just about supply chain. So right. it had nothing to do with demand. So yep. now we're going to see, I think we're going to see a, a, a pretty quick fall in, in, in prices, in, in discretionary goods. In, yep. in non-staple goods, you know, and I think food and, and energy, they're just going to keep going up. That's a structural issue. We just, we have a problem. Energy, it, we don't have enough supply. We don't have the refineries online. We've suffocated that, uh, that whole industry for, for years and years now with, with all of the, the ESG narratives, you know, I mean, yeah. with, so that's, it, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? Mm-hmm. You, if you're going to suffocate an industry, then you're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to realize the repercussions of it. And so now we're realizing that and it's painful. And mm-hmm. so it's going to take, it's going to take years to get more supply online. And they've been working at doing it. Trust me. I know they have been, but they just, they can't get on fast enough. So energy, oil, and gas are going to remain expensive, which means that food's going to remain expensive. And, and if you think so, about it, food, if, if, if the rate game no longer helps them manage the economy the way that it did for 30 or 40 years, because it doesn't, because most people rates really don't impact them. When you get a mortgage is fixed, it's set. You get, if, yeah. if you're not running high credit card tabs, rates don't mess with you. So food and gas, slow and speed economy better than any other, because every exactly. single person on earth needs it. The confusion is that they're looking at food and they're looking at the consumer spending and they're saying, well, yeah. the consumer spending more money, but the answer is they're getting fewer goods for it, mm-hmm. you know? So they're not getting as much for that money, which to me just says they're spending so much money on food and gas that they're going to have start making decisions where they're just not going to buy these discretionary well, goods. And that's why Target and Walmart, they're going to have a, they're going to, they're going to, and Amazon, they're going to get hit with these changes in in the consumer behavior right yeah and i mean think about it early in your career how difficult was to get a credit a credit card today 
how easy is it to get six credit cards? So in the average person, and and this will kind of lead into um, your, your uh, looking glass and the Bitcoin education, they're just like, well, I got all this money. Like who cares when I pay it back. And then they wake up and find themselves as a big hole. But if you base economic data decisions on consumer spending, you're already basing it off bad data because it's it's, it's not real. It's, I mean, yeah, the, the, a lot the, of it's the, not real. The numbers yeah. are real, but if I got a hundred bucks and I can spend fourteen thousand, and on credit cards, yeah, yeah, like and, it, and the credit card debt is not quite as high as it was prior to the pandemic. Uh, the numbers, uh, but I think it's rising rapidly, right. and we haven't seen how bad they're going to get because I, I believe that it's a that's that's one month late of data. It's it's yeah. one month in arrears. So I believe that as you see these rates skyrocket for the mortgages, rents are going up, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people are, people are getting hurt with they have variable uh, mortgages, which not as, there's nowhere near as many as there were back yeah. in 2008. Yeah. A lot of, of that course, was cleansed. But, but who's, who's, got the, who's got the variable rate mortgages? Yeah, pro- the yeah. people most likely to get hurt by them. One thing I want to step back, we were talking about yields, and I think what's really important there is you were talking about the CDS um, in high yield uh, yields and what that tells you. Um, and I think there was a very misinterpretation uh, of that in general crypto markets, uh, specifically related to stable coins. And we saw that unwind with Luna. Um, and I remember vividly, I had a guy in the office, he's a younger guy, and he's like, oh, I could make you know, 13% on these stable coins. And I was like, yeah, but the de facto market is USDC and GUSD. And those are seven, 8%, nine at best. So that extra risk that you're taking for four is not you worth it. it. You just like, said risk. Yeah. You just said yeah. it. It's all and risk. Then, and, and he's like, no, it's code. And I was like, yeah, that some kid wrote in his mom's basement and he doesn't know the bugs yet. It, it was the house of cards. And yeah. we're seeing it come down. I knew it, of course. I and mean, I got every single offer in the world came mm-hmm. of put your place your your Bitcoin on in our our exchange, and if you if you pledge it, then blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Or and no, mm-hmm. absolutely not. I was like, I mean, you've been in the business for twenty five plus years. You realize you do not get yield for nothing. Nothing. That's you just it. don't. You cannot create yield with nothing it's either a ponzi scheme or it's a it's a, it's a fractional lending lending uh scheme that they keep lending on lending on lending it, it, mm-hmm. either way there's risk there's and just so the t- the- yeah the takeaway is like we're in a new market with bitcoin and, and the crypto broader cryptocurrency ecosystem but the same rules apply there's right. a de facto you know risk it's not risk free but like what we used to say in traditional markets the treasuries were the risk free rate that is, you know, your base layer. Anything yeah. above that is, you know, all risk. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, the CDS, the, the CDS confusion, uh, some of that comes from, well, people don't, I mean, first of all, the, what's the CDS, a credit default swap? Uh, Greg, Greg has written a, a number of great pieces about this. And, he, and his, his thesis is that, that Bitcoin is the perfect credit default swap against sovereign against a basket of sovereign debt that could possibly fail. 
Well, let's talk about, so what does that mean? Well, it's not like a CDS that trades in the market on a sovereign bond, right? You could buy, if you have enough money, you and I couldn't buy it. Right, But right. if I if I had a, even with my hedge fund, I probably wouldn't. Isn't buy, it 10 million need, is need, base? Yeah, million. you need to yeah. buy, you need to buy tens of millions of dollars of this, of this stuff. You're usually buying a hundred million increments, right? Yep. Okay, so we can't get that, but you can see where they're trading and how institutional money managers are hedging their risk, hedging their exposure to these sovereign debts that they own, right? So, however, you can buy Bitcoin as a hedge. Now, how does that work? Well, if you're in Venezuela and you're starting to experience hyperinflation, you can buy you can buy a stable coin or something like that, but you could buy Bitcoin and know that it is immutable, it's decentralized, it's easy to transport, and it it is it will not inflate on you. So you buy Bitcoin and you leave the country, you take all of your assets and you put them in Bitcoin, you leave the country with it. And so we we actually have a, a friend, uh, El Sutan Bitcoiner. Uh, uh, who's uh, who's on Twitter, and I met him, and he said, "Yeah, he got his whole family out, and they and they kept their money because they put it all in Bitcoin and left. It saved him. Now, y- you could you could leave, and it drops twenty percent. It's better than a hundred in the in the five days that you left. But if you're in a hyperinflationary environment, that your money is in a bank that can be clot that that can be bought in to the bank." It could be seized by the government. It could be seized at the border. The, these, are, these are problems that you cannot overcome with gold or regular money, right? regular currencies. And so like you just said, if it's hyperinflating, well, what do you care if Bitcoin went down 20%? The Venezuelan, the Venezuelan dollar went down you know, 50% over the mm-hmm. same course of time. Who yep. cares? You know? So... That's that's the thing is that that's 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 what he's talking about. And then if you have an ultimate collapse, if you have if you have five, 10, 15, 20 currencies collapse and you're in one of those countries, then the thesis is that the money will run to the safest digital asset in the world, which is Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And and eventually, as that as that grows into the base asset of the world then that is where people will will store their time that they've accrued in the form of money to port with them especially in in a situation like that so and i think that whole story is in my opinion one of the biggest overlooked fundamental factors of bitcoin this is the first time since the 30s that you've had opt out currency and so Correct. yeah yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So if I left some third world country last week that was in high, in the midst of hyperinflation, my Bitcoin lost thirty five percent or twenty percent, whatever. We lost seventeen percent one day a couple of days ago. But but you have it. But you yeah. have it. You don't have to sell it. Correct. And it's based. It wasn't on, seized. Yep. It wasn't seized by the government. It wasn't seized by the bank. It wasn't seized at the border. If you walked out with gold, I mean, that's a wrench attack. Right, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. it's just a border guard saying, "Well, you've got to give me half that, or give me all of it, and I'll let you yeah. go through." You know, yeah. yeah. So, 
So it's just the first time that that smaller countries, and I think that's what's important about the El Salvador meeting that they discuss some Bitcoin is, you know, who knows? Ten years we wake up and we find out that was Bretton was 2.0, and it wasn't the big developed countries. It was the small ones that said, "Hey, we've kind of had enough of this thing," and exactly. exactly, we're putting in guidelines for us to operate in parallel. And when we need to cross over to your system, we'll do it. And if we right, don't, those are the and those are the countries who are who have not benefited from being on the U.S. dollar standard uh, right. as a as their base asset. Mm-hmm. And and you could argue they've done the work for the world. They've delivered the products. They've delivered the goods. They've delivered mm-hmm. all the stuff that got caught in all these quote unquote supply chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so that's that's the thesis, and I believe. And so look, if you're in America, and we, the likelihood of the U.S. dollar collapsing in the next five to ten years is is is, is not large, and some mm-hmm. people will argue it is. In the next five years, it's not large. It's not, but there is there is definitely a chance that it collapses in the next you know ten to twenty years, mm-hmm. 10, 25 years. There's a definitely a chance. The probability we, is rising. Debt, yeah, our debt is so it's 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 huge. It's growing. It's eating. Uh, it's it's eating everything. It, mm-hmm. It's eating Social Security. It's eating uh, Medicare and benefits that that we that we have on our balance sheet that we're just never going to be able to pay. We're never going in to a be backwards able to pay back. way. If you look at it in that way, it's eating employment because all these students are coming out these debt burdens that just basically you know cripples them. Yeah. So at some point the debt burden becomes too big. It debases too 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 much, and it, it does collapse. So let's just pretend that let's pretend that does happen. And maybe it doesn't happen in in, in I don't I, I don't know I I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime. But if it does, and I'm in America, and I have just one percent of my assets in Bitcoin, we just go through the math right now mm-hmm. to keep in today's dollars. There's $130 trillion of M2 in the world, right? And if the US dollar collapses, that means pretty much all currencies have collapsed. Yeah. Because so everything's pegged to it one way or another. Every, every, this is the, yeah, it's been the base currency for, for a long time. So, and it will continue to be. I think it'll be the last one standing. So if it does collapse, you know that every single every single ounce that $130 trillion is going into Bitcoin. Well, where are we right now? We're not even at half a trillion dollars now, right? Mm-hmm. So, but let's pretend that you're at half a trillion dollars for Bitcoin. You, you're, you're talking about 250% upside to that investment. All that money collapses in there. It's a 250x on on today's dollar on today's Bitcoin price, even more, right? So, if you just have one percent in of your portfolio in Bitcoin, the entire rest of your portfolio could go to zero, which it won't because it's not the way it'll work. However, if that's if you just have one percent of your net worth in there, you could be worth two and a half times what you were before the collapse mm-hmm. so just having just to, and if and if it doesn't and if every single sovereign fights it and ends up killing it somehow which i don't think they can but let's just pretend they do well you've lost one percent of your money who cares mm-hmm. 
you spend more of that on Starbucks in a year. Right. You know, you spend you you you're spending far more than one percent on healthcare and and on life insurance, on your house insurance, on your car insurance. Why wouldn't you insure your money? Mm-hmm. It just makes sense to me. Uh, so, and, and it doesn't have to be big. I mean, you don't have to go all in. You don't have to go crazy with it. It's just no, enough. Just that a, it, yeah, that that's the basic diversification conversation. Um, and look, as a hedge fund manager, diversification probably stinks because you got to find that that area of expertise and you go all in and and it works. But for the average person, some form of diversification. So your house is a diversification of your wealth, equities some kind of bonds over time at some point along the way, uh, some Bitcoin, um, you know, gold, yeah, yeah, gold, yeah. dirt, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. Some people is guns and ammo. People have different some people hobby. own art yeah. or they own, they own baseball yeah. cards, whatever it may be stores of value, find stores yeah. of value, diversify. You know, I, there are some people who are young, who are all in on Bitcoin. Right. So be, I mean, like that, that's great. If they, if that's what you feel comfortable with that, I, I've been in risk management my yeah. whole you've adult seen the life, downside whole of career. I've seen the down. I know what it's like to have a hundred percent. I not me. I've seen people with a hundred percent of their money in something and have it go to zero. And that's uh, is it. Is it likely? No, I don't think it is likely. Is it possible? Yes, I do think it's possible. Is it very possible? No, it's a non-zero chance. Yeah, it, but that's too big for me to have everything in it. I'm mm-hmm. still going to be diversified. So, well, and, and just to put it in something we know, people, you don't see very many people that are 100% long equities. I mean, I know they're out there, but yeah. they, they gen, in yeah. terms of their, their net worth, right? They're not 100% you know, I, long. Well, I knew some people who actually were 100%, 100% invested in WorldCom because they worked at WorldCom. Yep. Their 401k was dumped into the, that, that choice on their spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. WorldCom, then they bought stock with their extra earnings in WorldCom, and what happened? WorldCom went to zero, and they lost everything. Everything. I started, everything. I started so, at Bear Stearns and saw that same story. I have a friend who was uh, head the head trader there uh, on their equities desk. He had nothing to do with the with the debacle, um, but he got it hurt him bad. Mm-hmm. It hurt him really bad. Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're in, like you said, income for, and, and so that's for, for listeners, you know, that have, uh, it's very common today, get a lot of stock options to get RSUs, to get, you know, the ESPP plans, all those things are great. They are great net worth tool. You can really, you know, level up, but you have mm-hmm. to be cognizant of, okay, if most of my assets and my income and all of my benefits are in this one thing, what are the probabilities that it goes to zero? Look, companies don't fail all that much, but it does happen. It does happen. Yeah. yeah. But you don't want to have all your, your career is already tied up in there. You don't have everything tied up in that one spot. It's just prudent. It's just prudent. So yeah, yeah, that, but like I said, I I do believe Bitcoin. Yeah. It's been a terrible week here. Absolutely horrific. But mm-hmm. do I think it's, I do, I think it's coming back. Of course I do. It, it's just a question of when we, when we turn and, and when we start to emerge from this recession that we're going to be in, 
It could be six months. It could be 18 months. I don't know when the, the Fed pivots and backs off. We'll see. The and problem is Martin. they need, they, here's what it is though. They need to raise rates quickly. They're going to raise rates. They're going to raise another 50 base points and then 50 base points after that, and maybe another 50 basis points. They're going to raise the next two or three meetings. They are. Why? Because they want to destroy the economy? Because they want to destroy the stock? No, because they need room to then mm-hmm. back off. Because mm-hmm. if they don't do that, we're going to go below zero on our interest rates like Europe did. And then we'll just be one, we'll, we're one step closer to insolvency. Yeah. So we can't do that. We've got it. We've got to get these up quickly on the front end, and then we can back off. They know how to play from six down to zero, but once you get to zero, you, I mean, you flirt and go negative. It's that is a disaster. How do you, if you're a pension fund, and you have the mandate to buy bonds, Mm -hmm. and you're in Germany, how are you? How are you meeting your your forward needs? by buying German boons that are yielding negative three quarters of a percent. You're paying to store your money. You're paying to store your money. It's like, yeah, you're paying a self-storage unit. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just nuts. So that that becomes a structural issue. So they're avoiding that. They're trying to avoid that. That's why they're trying to raise rates really quickly here, and then they'll be able to back off. Yeah. So So tell me a little bit, and we won't go too deep, but the looking glass, the, the Bitcoin education, maybe, yeah. um, you know, what's most important to you or what you're most excited about in regards to that and, and helping people understand some of these things that we, that we, yeah, I mean, you can get it. It's on my, uh, it's on my profile on, on Twitter, or you can just go to lookingglasseducation.com. So I got involved, uh, Greg and a couple of these guys approached me um, and, uh, and, I got involved in this after they had already really started putting all the material together on the front end. And so what it is, is these guys, Seb Bunny, uh, Dasbia, Jason Sansoni, and, uh, and Max Pleb Music on, on Twitter, they, they built this, this educational platform uh, where you, you, it's, a, it's a course and it's set in modules. And what I love about it is it's so simple and so straightforward that anybody can take it. You could be, you could be uh, uh, in advertising and have no financial experience just on the marketing side or something like that. Or you could be in your seat where you do have knowledge, but you may, it may help either piece a couple of things together or give you the tools to send to your clients and say, this is what you need to know. So it's a platform. It's very easy to to step through. Well, you're you're beyond it, but some of the RIAs who may not. No, yeah, but it's have, helpful because our that. clients, yeah, they come to us and they're like, "Hey, what should I know about this?" And you start talking, yeah. and five minutes in, and they're like, "I don't know. I'll come back next time." Yeah, and so what's great about it is you could do module by module. You could sit there and go through it all weekend, or you could do once a, 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 a one night a week, or once a week, and 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 you just sign up and it, it checks you off and and has checkpoints that you go through, and when you do that whole that whole uh, course of study, then you can go into the deep dives. Once you have that ground, that, that, that grounding and that foundation of what is money and all of the different aspects, like the, the history of it, the aspects of how it's used, and, and you can see how it works 
in the system. And it leads you to understand why Bitcoin is the ultimate answer. But it's not, it doesn't start with that. It starts with what is money and how, right. how are we doing and what can mm-hmm. you do about it? And this is where we are. And then in each module, you can dive a little bit deeper. They're, they're like hot, hot links if you want to know just a little bit more about a subject, whether it's foreign currency or the Fed or something, you can click through and see a little bit more. And on the other side, once you're done with it, you can start learning about the Bitcoin as a credit default swap, for instance, from Greg, or about yield curves and about the uh, about the capital structure ladder from me, because we've taken we've taken articles that Greg and Jason Sansoni have written, and Greg and Seb Bunny and Greg and Daz or Daz B has written some, and Seb has written some, and so these are just deeper articles that each of us have written and they're and they go just a, just a little bit deeper actually some of them go a lot deeper into super complicated stuff but again laid out in a way that you can understand it so but we've also brought on uh, Dahlia Plot who uh, and she's Spanish speaking and she's reaching out to these communities in in uh, in Colombia and we're we're starting to work with uh, with their schooling system to get them to understand money better. And so these are these are kind of initiatives that we're working to expand out on. But the the guys who are who are really doing it are those are, are them. It's Seb and Daz and Jason and uh, and Dahlia. Greg and I come in kind of as the old world, you know, old school advisors are helping helping advise, but those are the guys who are running it. They've done all the work and they they're crushing it. So, but I, but I think that's a real big point that personally I think is kind of missing in the economy today, at least here in America, where you know you and and for everybody listening, Greg is Greg Foss, great guy, uh, great connector, also uh, thirty plus years high yield credit trader. So just like James, uh, hedge fund guy, kind of seen the inner workings of this stuff. But you guys, so you're kind of towards the getting towards the end and you're like, okay, what do we want to do in this next phase? And what do I do with all this knowledge that I've accumulated, but it really has no point now because I'm not sitting in a, you know, front of a screen trading. So you're yeah. taking that and saying to these younger guys that you guys are working with, Hey, here's what this really means. Here's what's really important about it. And you guys spend time breaking it down simple. So the everyday, so you're really taking exactly. a mentorship handing down so that all the knowledge that you guys have gained that does have value is not lost. And there's anybody, anybody can get yeah. anybody, anybody who wants to get on there and understand this stuff a little bit better. It's all free, man. Sign up. Just go. It's so good. Yeah. I can't take any credit for the building of it and the writing of that front end. I've just added articles to them, but it's awesome. It is really good. We've gotten some fantastic feedback on it. So super simple. It's 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 a good it's a good tool. It is so. good. I um I've been on there. I haven't done any of the modules, but I just kind of went looking at some. Uh, of they're the below you, but you know, uh, but you, well, I mean, you can always learn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, but I went to the section where I was like, okay, there's some specific topics that I want to make sure in my mind that I have them right, and so I went straight to that. But I yeah. I like to look. I believe in in learning. Uh, sometimes you go back through the basics just because. Yeah. 
little tidbits you forget about the good reminders for, for different things yeah. that you're facing at the time. So, and then there, um, there's also some videos, some of the, the, the best podcasts that Greg has done. Some of these guys, and they're, they're the podcast that the group has done. Uh, we were on with Preston Pish a, a few mm -hmm. weeks ago and that was great. And so that's on there. And then we're adding a podcast. Uh, we're adding Twitter spaces where we show up, uh, once every couple of weeks to, to just discuss what's going on with the economy and where we are. And Greg and I will bat it around with uh, one of these guys. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's fun. It, it, no, it, it sounds it's like, a, I mean, it's a great little effort. Yeah. Yeah. And that, in that regard is a great place. Uh, anybody listening that, you know, just wants to find easier content to get into because that's some of the challenge with this space and with finance in general is like, Hey, I don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, there are a lot of smart, smart people in both worlds, but there's a lot of smart people in the world. You just have to kind of have the patience to cut through. There's the so many smart people in this, in, in, in this space. I, I'm, I'm, I cannot believe how many, there are so many smart people mm -hmm. and yeah, they may not have done the same things that, that I've done or Greg have done, or you've done. They're absolutely 1000% smart enough. They just haven't been, taught it or educated because it's not taught in our school system. It's not taught. Uh, it's not even like this stuff is maybe theoretical stuff is taught in college, but you're not going to learn how to do some of this stuff. Like the way we talk about it, where you're sitting there and you're actually watching what's really happening. You're not going to learn that in school. It's just not going to happen. So I, I was pretty much, I pretty much had zero preparation for wall street having graduated from Yale, which now I had zero uh, technical knowledge. Mm -hmm. The critical, the critical thinking was important. I was able to, I was able to catch on quickly, but there's a lot of great critical thinkers out there that just haven't been taught this stuff. And, and, so, and that's, that's what we're really short on these days. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, the critical thinking is the key. Look, if you think critically and you think past what definitionally something says, and you see how those dots connect in the real world, that's, yeah. that's the key to any industry. 100%. Well, cool. James, I appreciate you coming on today. I uh, enjoyed the conversation. Um, maybe you can tell listeners, I know we said the lookingglass.com, um, yeah. your Twitter handle, and then yours, yours is on Substack, the the pieces you write. Is that yeah, that's right. So uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, just at James Lavish on Twitter. And uh, and I do, I have my informationist, it's called the informationist newsletter on Substack. And that's also in my Twitter profile um you can put it in the show notes we'll make sure that people can get to that it's pretty it's pretty easy uh like i said it's just a it's one complicated concept that i simplify each week and it comes in sunday morning you read it five ten minutes tops and uh hopefully make you a lot smarter for the for the week so yeah, it's that's good it. yeah awesome. it, it is good so uh well Thank thanks you. i appreciate you joining today yeah, I appreciate you having me on and uh, and we'll definitely hook up at the next, uh, we'll see you at the next conference. Yeah, yeah, I've already signed up, so we'll, we'll be awesome. there. All right, dude.